The Dr. Taz Show. The podcast, Dr. Taz. Superwoman Wellness. Here's Dr. Taz. Welcome back. Welcome back to Superwoman Wellness. We're on every episode of the show. We're going to uncover the secrets to being superpowered and being the superwoman that you're meant to be. Joining me today is Dr. Heather Bartos. She's an OBGYN and a leading voice in the field of women's health and wellness, the fierce founder of Badass Women, Badass Health, and a proud pioneer of the Mind Shift Medicine. Dr. Bartos, I want to welcome you to the show, but I want to share a little bit more about you. Dr. Bartos is, again, she combines the care of the mind, the body, and emotions to help women live a healthier and more fulfilling life. As a board-certified OBGYN, she teaches women how to thrive no matter what stage of life that they're in. She's developed a thriving practice as a country doctor with a city vibe. She created a practice that was healing, supportive, and a nurturing environment. She opened Women's Health and Wellness in Crossroads, Texas, near Dallas, at B Women's, she strives to provide her patients with a full range of top-notch women's medical care and a friendly, inviting study. Welcome to the show, Dr. Bartos. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here today. Well, I'm thrilled you're here, and I love this. Tell us about badass women and badass health. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I, I've noticed, and, and you know, practicing medicine over the years and working solely with women, is that we don't always feel super confident in the way that we approach our health because we're not really taught to be super confident in the way we approach our health. And and this was really an initiative to start women kind of really, like you do, is super empowering women, really getting women in touch with their badass self because every woman is a badass, deep at heart. And sometimes we need to yes. nurture it a little bit more than others, but really bringing that out is empowering, it's confident, it's independent. It kind of stops this whole white coat laryngitis that we get when we go to the doctor's office. It's really about bringing your best self to your health care. I love that. And I agree. Women, you know, it's so funny in my practice, uh, we have a more of a family practice model at Center Spring MD here in Atlanta, but it's so funny with women. It's like some of them come in for themselves, but a lot of times they'll bring everybody else in and they're last on the list. And so, you know, it's so important for women to continue to be educated about their health, to continue to understand how they're the center of a home, a community, a neighborhood, you know, a society, and how when we fall apart, part, everything around us falls apart as well. But you talk a lot about sexual health and sexual wellness. Can you, you know, what's going on there? I've got patient after patient coming in, you know, sitting there telling me everything from there's no interest to the lights have gone out to the, you know, just all kinds of stuff. What's going on with sex and women today? And yes, guys, we are going to talk about sex today. We don't do that very often, but today is the day. So (laughs) so if you don't want to listen, turn, turn this off, but that's where we're going. So jump on into that and tell me a little bit about what's going on today, folks. Um, I find like you do sexual issues are rampant. It's almost an epidemic. And, and once again, no one really knows where to turn for this information because, you know, as younger women were taught, oh, read the Kama Sutra, read this. And those are mm-hmm. very intimidating books. I mean, as a gynecologist, I get kind of intimidated reading the Kama Sutra. And it's not really a great kind of starting point for women to talk about their sexual issues. They're everywhere and they go from everything. Low libido, but I'll have just as many women come in that will be in a, with a partner that has a low libido and they are struggling to figure out how to be in that relationship on the other side, we always assume that women have the low libido and men don't, but it's just as many women that are on that reverse side. And it's very um, 
kind of self-degrading. I mean, you feel like this is something wrong with me, or I've I've gotten fat after the kids, or I'm, just, I'm old looking. And there's a lot of self-esteem and kind of mindset wrapped up into all these sexual issues. And I think women probably don't even bring them up as often as they should bring them up to their providers, but it's everywhere. I agree. And a lot of women today don't know what a healthy sex life looks like versus an unhealthy sex life. Can you maybe put some definition around that? Because I think a lot of people walk Absolutely. around thinking, yeah, and that's uh, this essential. is normal. And this is something and, that we kind of talk about in our, in our, in our office visits. A healthy sex life is one where you show up present and mindful. Um, it is not purely a defensive game, but there are some offensive moves to it too. Um, it should be comfortable for both parties. And I have couples that they have sex once a year and they're both great with that and it works for them. But where a discordance happens and one wants more than others or one wants it more, say, uh, passionate or violent even in some cases, one wants to explore this mm-hmm. option or not the other, if you're not speaking mm-hmm. up about what your personal boundaries are, that's not a healthy sex life. Um, gotcha. And so that's something that we really have to get with. You're, you're right. Absolutely. In the beginning, what is healthy for you and what might be healthy for you, Dr. Taz, is not what's healthy for me. It has to be healthy for that individual woman. And there's a lot of, and I know women hear this from their partners and spouses. Um, there's a lot of well, we only have sex this many times a week or this many times a month. What's wrong with you? What's the right number around there? I mean, I think there's, you know, there's a lot of that debate that, um, you know, this is the number that's right. And I'll just throw it out there. I've heard it's three times a week to maintain a healthy marriage. Is any of that true or a healthy relationship, not just marriage? Is any of that true? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, there's, there's sex and then there's intimacy. And of course we like them to be combined, um, we like there to be intimacy in sex, but I have plenty of couples that for some reason or another can't really have sex on a regular basis. So maybe he has prostate cancer and can't get an erection as he used to, or she's going through some kind of treatment. And so we know that sex lives are, they wax and wane. They're, they're a river of life. They're not like a lake that you just keep pulling out of. You know, it's going to mm-hmm. change after childbirth, for instance, sex lives differ for right. a little bit. And then they might get kind of um, more frequent once the kids leave for college. I mean, we know that there is a rhythm to this that changes. And the big thing that can happen is if the partners aren't kind of communicating about those changes, it can start to cause these these shame issues with, why don't you want to have it more? What's wrong with you? What's wrong with me? And then that just creates further problems in the relationship because the communication has broken down. And so I say usually couples will have sex between one to three times a week. Um, but there are plenty of couples that, that have sex three times a month. Uh, and that's mm-hmm. okay as long, again, as both partners are communicating that this is okay for us. Do you want more? Do I want more? And, and communicating through those issues, not just taking it because, oh, well, that's all he wants to do. But speaking up and really saying, this is what I would like. And how can you help me with this? Such a great point, because I think that there's a lot of pressure uh, across the board, whether internally in a relationship or externally in a relationship to fulfill a number. And I think it's like you're saying, it's much more important to look at each other and, and maybe define. And I think that's true of a relationship in general, define kind of what it is that feels good for you guys. You know, what are your boundaries? Um, I think that that really is an important starting point, because after that, we're all so unique and so individual. 
Um, you know, what type of, you know, in your practice, since you get to see so many people, what type of sexual issues are you seeing kind of day in and out? I, I know what I'm seeing, but I'm curious to know what you're seeing. Yes. A lot of, you're right. A lot of low libido is always a concern. And, uh, I had a woman come in the other day and she was so sweet and she has four kids under the age of 10 and she was uh, a stay-at-home mom, but she had like a business on the side, like an MLM type business. And so she's like, I just mm-hmm. don't, I just don't really feel it anymore. Like, I just am not really interested. So, well, holy crap, girl. I mean, look what all you have going on. I think there's right. this expectation that the superwoman does everything, mm-hmm. handles the house, mm-hmm. handles the kids, handles the job, and then comes home, you know, it's the old commercial, you know, I can bring home the bacon or fry it up in a pan. And then also just has a great sex life because we have, you know, 142 hours in the day. And, um, and so some of that is just kind of resetting expectations with women about what it is you can do, what it is that you want to do. Um, certainly low libido, but also difficulties with orgasming is an issue. Um, a lot of women these days are on medications that really prevent that from really being a common thing. So like antidepressants, which I swear I can throw a stone and hit four women on the antidepressant, can certainly not let women orgasm. And I had a really good friend who is an OBGYN who had depression, and she said, I'd rather be depressed than be on medication and not be able to orgasm the rest of my life. Right. Well, it's really sad that we have to choose that. You know, and so working with your provider to find little kind of tweaks and twists that we can do to medications can help. Um, certainly there's issues with just hypoactive, um, desire, which is a whole different kind of offshoot of low libido. And that's really like a DSM-5, a a psychiatric diagnosis. And then I see a lot of violence and, and kind of, um, kind of, I I guess a defensive moves in sex. I just do what he wants. I just, well, he wants it. So I do it. And can, that's not healthy. You know, we should be able to communicate and say, this is what I want. You know, we also... She will say no. <laughs> it's a really hard word for women right. to say. No, right. I'm not feeling that. We don't have to fake a headache or fake a somatic complaint of a stomach ache. Just say no. Not tonight, but I'll tell you what, I'll circle back on that this weekend and we'll get back together and see what we can do. So it's a lot of communication Such- and mindset issues with most of the sexual complaints. Um, and it's finding out which is physiological and which is actually a, a mental game. Because our biggest organ is our brain. That's our biggest sex organ. Great. What are some things women can do to have a better sex life and to have, you know, to, to maybe enjoy sex a little bit more? Yeah. Um, some of the biggest things we start with are just some things you can do internally that can really kind of start getting what you want kind of back in order. The first thing I'll have women do is kind of write out their sex story. And that seems like such a silly little exercise, but you know, what is it that you would like your sex life to look like? And no one has to see it. You're not going to share it. Don't put it on Facebook, please. Um, but you know, this is what I would like. I would like to see a relationship where I'm having sex this many times a month and that it's spontaneous most of the time, or it's, you know, Friday night after the kids go to bed, is it bad? I mean, what is it that you want? You know, what boundaries are you willing to push a little bit and what are you not? I mean, I think E.L. James and our Fifty Shades of Grey introduced, mm-hmm. you know, the BDSM world to the kind of the kind of conventional uh, modern woman. And some women are like, you know, I'd like to try some of that. And which case, great. Have you ever talked about it with your partner? So after that, I usually will say there's some issues with us as we get older where we feel like, oh, gosh, I have jiggles and rolls. I, you know, when I'm having right. sex, there's something bouncing. There's something that's 
not there. I'm worried I'm going to pass gas or these kind of things. And so I'll have women actually just start by looking themselves in the mirror, usually while they're brushing their teeth, and just looking themselves in the eyes and picking out wonderful things about themselves. And I had a woman mm. that had 11 kids and her husband. Oh, my God. And she were getting a divorce. And and she just was talking. She was so defeated. And I said, what, what do you like about yourself? And she said, what? She kind of looked at me like I had three heads. And I said, what do you like about it? I said, I'm looking at your eyes right now. They're this gorgeous shade of like this like Caribbean pool blue. And I said, have you ever looked at that? I mean, you're sexy. She's like, mm-hmm. uh, no. And she started doing this little exercise. And within two weeks, she came back. She lost 10 pounds. She started oh feeling alive again. She got back her vitality. And so yeah. I would say, look in the mirror and find something that you like about yourself. Look at another woman. And find what you think is sexy about her. That doesn't make you homosexual. That makes you appreciating something in someone else that then appreciates in you. And so I will often tell them, go out and find five women today that you think are sexy in some way. And just make a note of what makes them feel, what lets them seem sexy to you. you know, some of the sexiest women I know are, are octogenarians. Helen mm-hmm. Mirren. She's yes. sexy. And she's on what was 80 almost. Uh, Dame Judi Dench. I mean, these women, Sophia Loren is still super sexy. And so I think we think when we get older that that somehow diminishes our sexuality, but it it doesn't. It actually can amplify it. Oh, I think those are all such uh, legitimate points. And one of the things I've seen over and over again, and I've experienced it personally, too, is that when we are stressed and tired and overburdened, whether that's by children, by work, uh, whatever it is that we're juggling and managing, and part of this whole superwoman syndrome that I talk about so much, part of it is uh, completely losing your libido. And I think the follow-up to losing your libido and not being, uh, you know, sexually intimate with your partner is fallout in the relationship. Can you talk a little bit about what, how a relationship is impacted when the, the sexual piece is on different roadmaps? What happens there? Yeah. Cause it starts with just maybe some sex discordance, you know, like he wants to have sex, you know, every day of the week or once a month and I want sex this much. And what starts to happen is some resentment. And then you start to kind of create your own story about what's happening or why it's happening. Um, it's say he wants to have sex more than, than you do. And you're thinking, well, is he a sexual pervert? Is he a deviant? I mean, you start writing a story about this to yourself and then you start living it. And you're like, he must be, if he's not getting it from me, he must be getting it from somewhere else. And what that starts to do is it, it fractures the communication and the relationship again to the point where it, it can be irreparably damaged. I had a young woman that came in who had a low libido, horrible situation. Her husband was about 10 years older and she didn't want to have sex. He just assumed, he wrote a story in his head that she was having an affair. Mm-hmm. She was um, wanting to be with a woman. Yeah. I mean, all these things. And I said, well, what have you told him? And he was afraid he was looking older. I mean, all the same things I hear about the women on the women's side. Right. And I right. said, well, I haven't told him anything. And I said, well, so what's going on? Like, what's happened? Let's go back all the way to like age five, because that's when our sexual beliefs really form before we even know what sex is. And as it turned out, she had been raped by her stepbrother when she was about nine Ooh. years old. And, and she never told anyone. She never told him. So they're living completely different stories. She's not wanting to talk to him. He's making up his own story about something. And they were on the road to divorce. And we sent them actually to a, to a counselor to really kind of work through all those issues. And she needed some help for sure. And just communicating that, what an amazing difference it made. And he was That's able to a- empathize and understand and then work with her. And it wasn't just like, I'm being shamed. And this happened in my own marriage as well. I mean, we went through a period of time where my husband 
had his own issues and didn't want to have sex. And the first thing I thought was, he's gay. I have yeah. I'm a girl that's got the gay husband, and we're going to get divorced. Right. And I said, that's going to be humiliating. And then I said, or, oh, he's having an affair. He's having it from somewhere. I mean, men want to have sex. And then I started to think, oh, my God. I said, I'm now 40, and I'm fat, and I'm frumpy, and I'm just completely, you know, uneffable anymore, as I like to say. And and none of it was true. He was overstressed. And as you said, when you're stressed, you know, all the the sex hormones shift over to cortisol. You're not making the good hormones. And and we were able to fix all that, but we just had to talk about it. Yeah. I actually went through that as well. Personally, my husband confronted me. He was just like, is something going on? Are you interested in somebody else? Uh, Am I not the one for you? I got so angry. I remember I was so ticked. My first reaction was pure rage and anger. I'm like, seriously, a-hole? Like, I'm like working my butt off. I'm managing 50,000 things, including your mom. I've got all this stuff going on. And you're going to accuse me of this? You know, I, I just remember. But then... I think it took a few hours and as the rage sort of dissipated and I actually listened to him, he was so sweet and he was literally in tears. He's just like, I just don't know what's wrong. And I just realized that like, I'm, I was totally checked out. I was a hundred percent checked out because I was so tired and I was so just exhausted with the juggle, superwoman syndrome with the juggling and all that other stuff. Yeah. And it was almost like our, our relationship, like we had to break, it was like a, one of those walls you break through and then you're at this completely different elevated level after that. And literally from that night forward, it's like, we're back to being like newlyweds or honeymooners, like just can't wait to see each other. Can't wait to be together. Can't wait to be alone, you know, all this other stuff and not just for sex, just to be together. And it's become a priority, you know? And so, um, so I just see how so many women can find themselves in that trap. And then the brain just runs with all kinds of scenarios and the next thing you're dealing with if you're not conscious is a really broken relationship. So we would hate for that to happen to anybody because at the end of the day when those relationships break, families break and that's so painful, you know, and I've been on on the, the side of that your with spirit my spirit and your future yeah, relationship. Totally. And, yeah. And I think it's, it's so important so, for women. I mean, I share with my patients all the time. I'm like, is this TMI for you? Because I'm going to share some of my own sexual history. And they're like, no, it's fine because they're used to me doing that. But I think it's important for us to share those things and you realize you're not the only one. I think we often think, I'm the only one with this problem. Right. But in truth, right. we all go through a phase where sex isn't what it used to be or what we think it should be, you know, it should so dangerous. And we're not what Maria put on Facebook. They're going out, you know, to Hawaii for the seventh time this year and they're having amazing sex. We don't know what's happening in Maria's bedroom. But stop right. comparing ourselves and just focus on the inner stuff that's going on inside with our with our partner. And I, I tell them, even if you're not with a partner, focus on your own sex. You can be sexy in a sexual relationship by yourself. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And and should be. It should be. It's Your body needs it. To me, it's a vital sign of how things are going. Right. Um, I food, agree. Air, I agree. Um, and then your sex life. Because your body's meant to do that. It's supposed to be part of what you do. I agree. Well, so many great, so much great information. Um, how about this before we close out here, which I hate to do, but 
Um, how about just providing women with maybe the five signs or checks that they need to be doing about their sexual health and their intimacy with their partner? What are things like I talk all the time about doing a body scan, like check your hair, check your nails, look at your tongue, uh, look at the color of your skin, look for pain, fatigue. So if you had to narrow down for that, just to the topic of sexual health, what are the five sort of checkpoints that you would establish for all of us to be thinking through as, as we hit this topic. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the big things, as you said, is, is your physical body. You know, how is it? How is it? Have you got your checkups? I mean, I'm a big proponent of preventative health. I'm sure you are too. And how many women will skip that portion? So just getting everything right. checked out. Number two is where are you in your reproductive life? I mean, certainly as we hit 45 plus, everything starts to shift a little bit. You're in reverse puberty. And so the hormones can shift. You can be a little bit crankier. And I usually have husbands call me and uh, the vagina can get more dry and less, uh, it can cause more pain. And if you're not willing to kind of think about why that might be, you'll just think I'm having painful sex. Um, three is, is how often are you having sex? Um, you know, we have period trackers now that we can track our periods. It's an amazing uh, innovation. I right. wish I discovered that. Um, how often are you having sex? And you look back and it was once last month. Is that enough for you? I mean, I think sometimes we ask about a diary, you know, a pain diary. How about a sex diary? Right. You know, who initiated it and keeping track of those kind of things. And, you know, and, and also check with him. Number four, check with him. How is he or her right. or her these days or her? Check with your partner and see where they are with things. Have that open communication. And, and five, check what your responses are to those kind of comments. You know, I remember for a long time, if my husband, if I walk out and say, you know, how do I look? And he's like, my husband's a man of few words. He's like, yeah, okay. And I would be like, I don't look okay. I have to go back and change. You know, instead of going, I look good in the mirror. Okay, this looks pretty mm-hmm. good. Uh, how do I look? He's okay. I'm like, great. I look awesome. And, you know, and really checking how you're responding to other people's comments about your body and your sexuality. I don't rely on my husband to make me feel sexual. I rely on myself. And that improved our relationship leaps and bounds. Those are five little easy things that you can do quickly to kind of jumpstart your sexual health back into, uh, into ignition. Well, that's such great information. And thank you for taking the time out today to share this. And ladies, don't ignore sex. Talk about it. Not, don't be, even I have been so, I was grown up in a way that you don't talk about this stuff. You don't discuss this stuff, but have the freedom to discuss it, discuss it with your friends, discuss it with your partner, discuss it with your doctor so they can help you navigate that territory, rule out any physical issues, any chemistry issues you might be having so that you can just focus on the intimacy and the relationship that you're having with your partner. So don't be afraid to talk about sex. It's an important part of health. It's a vital sign just like Dr. Heather told us, and it's really important that we all pay attention to it. Uh, If folks want to get in touch with you, Dr. Heather, what's the best way to do that? What's the best way to learn more and to stay in touch and stay educated on this topic? Absolutely. Um, I'm at heatherbartosmd.com. Um, right now we're doing our, our blog series on big little lies and dissecting the women's sex and, uh, health lives through that show. We usually do something like that, um, every time a big show comes on. Um, and I'm also on Facebook and Instagram at Dr. Heather Bartos and jump in. We're usually talking about something saucy, uh, and definitely healthy. (laughs) 
Something saucy and healthy. That sounds so tempting. So for everyone else, thank you for being here today. And for everybody else, thank you for listening to this episode of Superwoman Wellness, which is now on Spotify as well. And if you have questions about today's show, connect with me on Instagram or Facebook at Dr. Taz MD. And if you enjoyed the show, please rate and review and share it with your friends. I will see you guys next time.